You're listening to Track, Map, Measure with host Sean McIntosh, covering the latest thought leaders and technology in construction to understand what is building the world around us. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Track, Map, Measure. I'm your host, Sean McIntosh. Today, I'm speaking with Tom Willie, longtime veteran of B2W Software. We cover a wide range of topics from their customers seeing their bids double in just a year, how their consolidated software can make sense of the many different data sources that people see on their work sites. So we hope to stick around to listen. Tom, thanks for joining us. Well, you're welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Tom, just for the listeners on the call, I think it would be really valuable if you just want to give a little bit of background on yourself and what you do at B2W. Yeah, sure thing. So I've been with B2W Software for coming up on 15 years. It'll be 15 years in March. Uh, wow, time flies. And uh, I started out at the company as a product trainer. So I had to learn the products backwards and forwards, upside down. Uh, and then I headed up the implementation team for a little while. So I went from training clients that had the software to getting them set up and ready to receive a trainer. Uh, and then I moved into solutions engineering. And it's a really fun and unique role in the company where you, you essentially have to be a master of products. You have to know everything they can do, everything that they should do and shouldn't do. And then um, solutions engineering is really being able to talk to customers at their discovery phase of what they need from a software solution and seeing if we are a good fit and then kind of proving that we're the best possible fit. So, you know, in my, in my mind, it's really fun because you get to essentially find out what where it hurts in their company, what their problems are, and then try to be as, as creative and practical as possible to see if our solutions can solve that problem. And Tom, you and I carry a very similar role to what I do at, at Propeller. And um, honestly, the way I was trying to phrase it when people try and say, well, well what does your day entail? And, I'm, and I say, well, I mean, I, I speak to a customer and then I try and mimic a day in the life of what it would look like if they were using this tool. So we, we try and take the feedback that they might have on things that are, are troublesome or, or maybe areas of improvement. And, and we just try and mimic that. Uh, do you feel that that's very similar to what you're, you're doing in your demonstrations and, and getting people across what B2W does? Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and our, our industry is, is um, very known to us. You know, we've, we've been there for a long time. And still to this day, someone will come to us with a new and interesting problem or a situation that they want to you know, try and mimic. And nine times out of 10, we, we already know what they mean. And we can say, yep, this is how you would do that in the software. But once in a while, we just scratch our heads and say, well, why, why, what are they really trying to achieve there? And we will, just as you described, we'll basically build that out in the software. I mean, that's, that's a, a good part of what we do is take the real data that they bring to us and say, how would you how would you do this in your software? And we'll build out small environments that show how that specific company could use the software to solve the problem. And because we've just been really vaguely speaking about B2W software at this point, do you want to just give a quick breakdown of kind of like the, the main components and use cases that people find without going too, too deep? Yeah, sure. I mean, that candidly, that could take up a podcast uh, in itself. You know, we have um, five elements or, or products that people can purchase for different aspects, but it ranges from bidding and estimating. Um, once you've won the job, it transitions over to what we call operations. So we have a schedule program that allows people to see what resources they have and plan. So it's a dispatching and logistics tool. Then there's a field tracking and analysis piece, which is you know, how, how am I actually performing the work? How can I gather data about how I'm doing and process payroll? 
and compare where I am uh, according to what the estimate said it should do. And then we have a solution for heavy equipment maintenance and management, so preventive and break fix uh, heavy equipment maintenance. And then we have a really powerful tool called Inform, which is enterprise data collection and analysis. So an electronic forms tool that lets you essentially replace any paper form that you have or Excel form or PDF with an online form. Uh, well, we have an offline mode as well, but an electronic form system to capture data. So when you put all those solutions side by side, you know, we cover a huge amount of workflows and uh, areas of a company's growth and success. So we, we kind of have a lot of tools in our tool belt when clients come to us and say, hey, I'm having these, you know, four problems or 20 problems, which solutions to pick from to kind of best meet those needs. So someone might come to the table and, and they might require uh, a bit and piece from every single one, or, or maybe there's someone who's just coming in and, and looking at uh, improving their estimation workflow. Typically, if, if someone is coming in and evaluating, say, you know, how can we double the amount of bids we put out? Who is that person in a company? Um, yeah, that, that's a good question too. And that, it ranges um, quite, quite a bit. So depending on the size and the complexity of the company, it, it could be, you know, anything from, say, um, an, an intern who's been tasked with finding solutions just as a kind of a side project to see what's out there, all the way up to, you know, vice presidents or CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies that have, you know, told their departments in no uncertain terms that change needs to happen and they need to find the right tools for that. But in general, it's it's usually, you know, if, if it's an estimating solution, it might be a, a chief estimator or a VP of estimating or someone in finance who understands the challenges that the estimating team is facing and from a financial perspective wants to find the right tools to make it more profitable. Or on the operations side, again, it, it could be uh, someone who's responsible for that area. So, you know, maybe a vice president of performance or... Um, a CFO who wants the track solution to really get a handle on where they're making or losing money. Or again, someone like a VP of operations who wants to solve three or four problems. So it, it runs the gamut. And, um, what often happens too is clients will come to us and they'll, they'll try to solve, you know, one or two problems. And then when they see the pantheon of what we have, they might come into the presentation saying, well, I want to see your estimating system. And then when we kind of give a broad overview of the of the areas we cover, they say, well, wait a minute, what's that track thing? What does that do? Actually, you know, now that you mention that, that's a huge problem too. And so uh, we commonly find ourselves um, preparing to show them the functionality in one element and then end up showing two or three. Right. It's, it's, it's that common adage of, of people don't know what they don't know. And, and I see, I see this quite frequently too, in, in my job, I mean, there's a lot of crossover between what you're doing and what I do. And sometimes we do have that VP coming forward, knowing that, you know, systemically there's something wrong in the way that we operate or the way that we bid jobs We're we're constantly bidding on, on the assumption that we've got a 5% margin here. And at the end of the day, we're ending up with two, like what, what is happening here? And then the other side of it, especially in a software world versus a hardware world, we've got brand new people coming out of college who have been taught all about all this great technology in their programs. And they come to the company and they realize, I said, wait, you guys don't do this. You don't do this. Like, <laughs> right. and, and so you've got people coming in at all levels of experience, people coming in with all different problems. And it really just, it, it really just kind of keeps the day-to-day -day interesting here. 
And so again, just, just tying it back to what's familiar to me, because that's what's easiest to talk about. Um, the types of catalysts I see or, or some sort of event that drives people into to shopping for new solutions and new technology, um, sometimes that falls in the realm of, um, I guess the way I like to group it is, is a, a customer, whether they know it or not, they're sitting in a bucket of pain, fear, or gain. And it could be a pain. It can be a pain point where, say, hey, we're not doing something efficiently enough today. We can tell that because our competitors are getting ahead of us. There's the fear, maybe again, that the competitors are winning more jobs from them. And then there's the gain, just like a, a purely instinctual, we want to grow. For B2W, I mean, there's so many different products, but is there typically some form of catalyst that drives people into um, shopping and into your court, where then you take them through that day in the life? Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, it's very interesting that you, you put those into those buckets, you know, pain and, and gain and fear. Um, you, you could almost bring those three buckets up a level and say those are all problems, right? So they, they usually have some kind of problem. And that problem is an impediment to growth or an impediment to maximizing profitability. So, the, you know, the problem might be, uh, I need to, to bid more and I don't, I can't find good estimators. You know, I, I'm stuck with the amount of, of horsepower that I have. How can I get more out of the existing realm? Or on the operations side, it might be, um, I, I know that I'm losing a lot of money in terms of, uh, payroll. You know, I, the problem is my company's growing. We're doing great, but there's this one aspect of my company that's really inefficient or on the maintenance side. You know, I, I know that my equipment is failing more often than it should. I need to maximize this asset, which is my fleet of equipment. How do I make sure I'm, I'm keeping it maintained correctly? And oftentimes they feed into each other. Well, if you're having difficulty with payroll, it's because the data collection piece out in the field is too cumbersome and, and the communication between the field and the office is off. So usually they'll come to us with a, a problem and that problem kind of uncovers other problems. And really at the core of all of those is companies just get to a point where they realize we can't keep doing things the way that we've been doing them and, and continue to grow, grow and be competitive in the marketplace. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, so I, I was checking out B2W software extensively before this leading up to, it seems like you've got a lot of really great voice of customer articles where they go through specific use cases. Is there any sort of story um, that you'd like to, to weigh in on where maybe someone used the estimation side of things to, um, you know, drive growth within a year, like just anything that you'd like to necessarily um, jump in on a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, after 15 years, I have kind of a whole stable <laughs> yeah. of them. Uh, <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, estimating is is the one that is the, our first product, you know, that was the, been around the longest. That product's been on the market in some form or fashion for over 25 years. Um, so there's, there's a lot of storied ones. I mean, I, I know of a, a customer that I helped out in, um, Wanamingo, Minnesota. And they, you know, their problem was, geez, we just can't bid fast enough for all the work that we have. And they had one full-time estimator and, a, a one that estimated part-time. And they were bidding, I forget what the number was, or some like, you know, 10 million a year or something like that. And then after they implemented the software, we visited them two years later and, they had that person that was working part-time just move completely over to project management. And so they were down to one estimator, but they were bidding 20 million a year now, quite happily. But it's, you know, it's the stories of these kind of, again, the ability to facilitate growth in a company. And it's, it's kind of funny too, how 
it's just the little things like in solutions engineering, you might talk to, you know, a $500 million company and you're, you're kind of prepared for these big structural problems. And I, I talked to a company, um, that their biggest problem was that they did construction mats and that was pretty much all they did. It was a very niche thing that they provided. There's a huge market for it. And they said, look, we, our estimates are pretty good, but one of the things we struggle with is these mats, everyone wants to treat it like a material and it's not. It's a rental. You got to put X number of the mats out there and they have to be there for Y number of days. And I need to be able to see both. You can't just say it's 500 mat days. I need to know that it's a hundred mats that are out there for five days. And we kind of noodled on that, but we used a little cost component that we have called a miscellaneous, which gave them both. And, you know, after weeks of talking to them, they said that, that, that one thing right there just simplified our lives to the point where we have to have the software. That's really great, Tom. And uh, I, I always love when you get into a conversation where it's just going to be the small incremental changes that make the biggest difference. I feel like that's that's a situation where where our software thrives. It sounds like it is where yours too, where you realize that the the sum is really, you know, it's just it's all the, the pieces making up the whole. One of the customers that that we most frequently uh, speak to, um, and that are constantly, you know, looking to adopt a drone technology to better their operations, is is people managing landfills. And you know, not to dive too deep into it on this call because not all the listeners are going to care necessarily on how a landfill is managed. But a lot of uh, landfill management is is being able to compact the material well. You're you're given essentially a, a 3D space that they can work in. That's what the EPA says. You can fill your landfill to this elevation and keep it at this grade. Other than a few other things you need to manage, that's kind of the, the constraints. So for a landfill, if they can just compact the material as it's going up to the face, even three, four, 5% better. So very, very small amounts of changes. The impacts I've seen even personally with some customers by, by year, year's end, I mean, we're talking like tens of millions of dollars in some cases, depending on the, that's looking at the whole life of the cell. And it all starts with very, very small changes. And, and it sounds like it's, it's very similar to what you were just talking about with that Mac company where they just had to have a different perspective on those small, like small figures, which on a day-to-day -day might not seem like much, but on an annual basis or even biannual, like that's going to be, uh, it's going to mean a lot more for their, their business. Sure. And, and, and probably too, I would speculate it's like this with your customers. It's thinking ahead. In other words, it's not just solving that one problem. If I could just jam that waste down 5% further, but it's, well, does that cause any other problems? You know, is the facility lined to handle that much extra waste or is the you know soil stable enough? So all the knock-on effects that, you know, are, are sometimes solutions to problems create new problems. You have to solve those too. Right, right. And, and it sounds like P2W has another solution that would, would help with this. But does, oh, is there such thing as overcompacting? If, if we send someone up there and, and we're telling that compactor, okay, no, we want you to drive over the trash five times instead of four times every single day. Well, that's got an impact on the life of that piece of equipment. It's got an impact on the fuel usage. And where is our like tipping point? Where's our diminishing returns on compaction versus what we risk doing to all of our expensive equipment? Have, have you seen any instances where people have like, you know, once they start tracking the machine hours and, and position that they start picking up on some certain things like, hey, you know, wh why is our operator 
doing a three point turn um, <laughs> on the end of the thing, or you know, it sounds, seems like they might be revving it, or maintenance is not happening. Is are there any kind of stories that you could unpack um, where you've seen customers bring that to light? Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And what it comes down to, which I think we mentioned, is is you don't know what you don't know. And so the more tools that people bring into the equation, the more uh, way that they can track what's really happening in their company and look at it from the really from a high level perspective that connects all the dots, the more things like that they uncover. So for example, two of our operations solutions, we have B2W Track, which is field tracking. So they go out and they track what employees and equipment and materials is a wide array of things it can do, and they track their data against it. We also have a solution called Schedule, and that is kind of what happens before that in the operational process. So project managers or supervisors or other resource planners are saying, look, we need these assets here. We need some more over here. We need these crews are going here in these places. And what people find very frequently when they implement both of those is that a lot of times there's conflicting goals within the same company. So if I'm a, a crew member or if I'm a, a foreman, my job is to make sure that I get everything done as quickly as possible. So a lot of times I'm asking for resources. I need this dozer. I need that grader. I need X, Y, and Z. And as a scheduler, I give it to them. Now, what I need to know, though, is are they using it? And so when they have both sides of that equation, a scheduler that says, hey, this is where these pieces of equipment are, are scheduled to be, and then they have a tool that tracks how much it's actually used, people are very surprised to go back and say, well, look, I allocated you five big pieces of heavy iron. You only used two of them. Now, there's three where I can see you didn't put any hours against it, both from the meter itself and from a job costing perspective. That means either you have someone who's not really entering the data, so their job looks artificial, they look great on paper, but they're using a lot of heavy iron, or the reverse, which is, I asked for all this stuff and I'm not using it. And that has a cost as well. People don't realize that that might mean another part of the company has to rent a piece of equipment because they think it's being used when it's really idle. And, and it's really only once you get those pieces in place to see the data that you can find all the problems that are kind of hidden impediments to profitability. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that one thing that I see frequently, and I'm sure you do too, is that um, people sometimes hesitate to go searching for a solution like this. Um, it almost seems like it's purely because they're afraid of what they might be missing in in opportunities. It's it's um, it, it's easy enough to turn a blind eye because once you start realizing you have a problem, well, hey, then then you have to implement a solution. So it's almost like you, you don't want to start turning over rocks because you're afraid of, of what you, you might be able to find underneath. And it, and it might be that instance there where, hey, you know, we, we end up uh, bringing in extra six pieces of rental equipment on per month because we're just not using our equipment as effectively as we are today. But it's, it's easy enough in everyone's day to day to just, um, you know, think that that's, that's what you need. Yeah, well, I, I find it falls into two buckets. A part of it is that kind of fear of, of, uh, finding problems you didn't know about. I, I feel like that's less of it though, because most of these companies, they, they're very good uh, about understanding that they have problems that they want to solve. I think it's partially fear of finding out that things aren't as good as you thought, but a lot of it, I think, is just resistance to change. I mean, going back to what you mentioned, yeah, you, you bring in a college kid, it's look, it's ridiculous that we're still using these 
ancient survey methods. Why don't we use this new technology? But that college kid is coming into a storied company that's, you know, been around for 50 years and grew from one guy with a shovel to, you know, $30 million a year. And sometimes it's hard for those companies to really pivot their, their technological persona and say, we do need to embrace these new tools because everything has worked fine for them for the past 30 years. And they see that, that tectonic shift away from, you know, a, a, a guy and a map and, and some tools to this, this flying technology piece. They kind of view it as a, a big burden in terms of just learning new things and changing the way the company behaves. So I think it's partially fear and partially just inertia. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's kind of like a, a company. So, I mean, it, we keep saying company. It's really broad. I mean, I, for the most part, I'm, I'm sure we're talking about earthwork contractors in, in this kind of world. Um, but a lot of the people that I, I see, um, and I'm sure it's the same for you, it's, it's when they bring this technology on, it might have been the first time that they've tracked a lot of these things. So with a drone, it could be the first time that they've had a way to get topos in-house before it would have been either a consultant or accepting whatever was provided by the engineer at face value. So it can be a very front-loaded relationship where they're like, well, we don't pay for this today and we do things fine. We're growing a bit year over year. Why would we pay for something that, you know, is not going to give us immediate returns? Like if we were to put this money in a piece of iron and I see that kind of argument come up all the time, it's, it's, it's never so blunt or eloquent, eloquently worded, but it is, it's, if I buy a piece of equipment, it's going to start making me money tomorrow. If I invest in this software piece, well, it's, it, it's going to be a while before I start seeing, you know, changes. And it's, it's more of like an indirect savings versus like something you might see as being profitable right out of the, the gate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, well, depending on the size and the complexity of the company, but in, in general terms, a lot of companies, a lot of them just have a really hard time visualizing and accepting the value that these these uh, tools can bring because it's not physical. It's not it's not the roots of where their company came from. Exactly like you said, I buy a backhoe. I know I can move, you know, X amount of cubic yards of dirt and I get paid X amount of money for that. That's dollars. But trying to get people to understand and believe that, look, if we can implement a solution that cuts your payroll processing time in half or reduces the number of times that an employee disputes their payroll, that there are very real and very large costs associated with that that they can remove from delivering their services. And so trying to uh, make sure that customers kind of follow us along that journey, because as solutions engineers, right, like you're probably the same way, you already know how great it is and you already know what the benefits are on the other side of that hurdle of implementing a new technology you're not comfortable with. And we have to make sure that, you know, we do a good job as technology emissaries, um, really laying out for them how specifically they realize the value of spending money with us on a thing that they can't touch or, or smell or taste. So uh, on the topic of, of, of hardware, GPS, machines, things of that nature, what about data from other sources? What, what other kind of data integrates into B2W from from the field, if it's data collectors, GPS, just kind of expand on that a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. No, that that's a really good way of kind of tying it back to what solutions engineering is about. Um, that need to bring in data from other places is, is constant and varied. 
And you also, you have to kind of match um, the method of bringing that data in to a bunch of different requirements. Like what do they have and what does it do in our platform? Is it needed? But also, you know, how much data are you talking about and what delivery mechanism do you have? So if you're talking to a, a smaller company, maybe they don't have a lot of, of data per se, but it's important data. Uh, you know, you might be talking to a, a $5 million company that needs to grow and they have something pretty modest like QuickBooks as their ERP system. And they just might have two or three things that none of us have ever heard of. And they need to capture it and be able to look at it in some way. We can do that just by adding in what we call custom properties. So on the, the track side, when their folks are out in the field, you know, they might say, well, look, we, we need to be able to record this, this drone that we're using. We want to know which of the products are being used out in the field for these survey purposes. So we could add it as a piece of equipment or we could just make a field that says drone type. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, when you're dealing with multi-billion dollar companies that have these very advanced ERP systems that run the entire enterprise, and we have to essentially piggyback on that, meaning they already know the the cost or the, you know, the wages of having to have multiple silos of data and that that's bad. And they expect that an operations platform can simply leverage the massive amount of crucial data in ERP for things like the employees and equipment and cost codes, they can't, they can't tolerate that they might buy a new solution that has to have that same data entered into multiple places. And so for companies like that, um, you're not talking about a, a custom property, you're talking about a data exchange, like an API. So things like being able to pull in data or receive data from that system electronically, or that system being able to pull data out um, and it's it's never as simple as just, well, I, I set up an API and data moves back and forth. You know, companies of that size have to ensure that they're following business rules. Is that person allowed to move that data? If that data comes in, which of these parts of the company are allowed to see it or not? So, you know, it's it's what data do I need to bring in? How much of it do I need to bring in? How important is it? How does it need to be treated uh, all those things come into it. And the, the sheer number of places that that data can come from is growing annually. That's right. That's right. And like when, when people just talk about data, I think for, for some companies, and, and, and I just want to say for the listeners, we've made a lot of generalities today. I, I think that's to keep the, the conversation broad. But a lot of times we're, we're trying to get across to some smaller ones maybe who might be looking at adopting some of this, not necessarily those people who are 100 million plus but a little bit on the smaller end. And for those who are, you know, shopping solutions that might make their lives easier, more efficient, make them bid better. Um, the way I try to describe data for them is almost like, you know, if, if, if you wear a Fitbit on the daily, having just the information, maybe just your heart rate on the daily, your sleep schedule, if you were to look at that every day, maybe that's not that useful to you. But it's it's when you start taking that data every single day and it starts being put into dashboards and you start to see what your sleep patterns are like, what your resting heart rate is. That typically is, is like a good enough analogy for them to be like, okay, so it starts with tracking it and then it starts with feeding it into a system that can boil it down and make sense of it until we can start to see these trends and really grow on the trends. Tom, are you, do you still, do you kind of see something similar happening in B2, B2W and, and, and the folks that you speak with? 
Oh yeah. I mean, they, they, again, they come to us with a problem and we, we kind of describe how we're going to track information about it and then use that data. So it's the data coming in again, it depends on how important it is and, and um, how big the company is, but um, it doesn't take much to be able to show them. Yeah. If you're tracking it and then you can make use of the data, even something as simple as GPS, you know, more and more companies are starting to implement that on their heavy equipment. So if you say, well, look, you know, you, you have three or four manufacturers of equipment, um, and you have these three or four different buckets. What if you just had one place to go in and see where all of your equipment was? Your equipment already has this GPS. You're just not bringing in the data and you're not using it. How, how useful would that be? And eyes light up and oh, that'd be amazing. Right. What's, what's our week, week over week fuel usage actually look like? You know, and, and what's our, our week over week resting heart rate <laughs> you can t tie those things together and, and just really get a, a general pulse on, on how everything is doing. Yeah. And, and these companies, they all, um, they all plan certain things, right? They all think that they know this, they, but they don't know what their degree of variance is between what they think is happening, what's really happening. You know, to use your example, I, I think my heart rate's probably just fine. Well, if you don't have that Fitbit and you're not looking at it, how do you really know? And what's the impact if you're wrong? And that that's really true of pretty much all the solutions that we have. Um, track is the most dramatic one where a lot of companies, you know, well, we, we know we're doing reasonably well because at the end of the year, we have more money than we spent. Well, and that's good, right? That's the key goal of any business. But, you know, what if what if you could attach that Fitbit to every crew in the field? And know on a daily or weekly or monthly basis whether a given job or a given cost code is or ahead or behind. If you had that kind of visibility to know where you were right and where you were wrong, how much more money could you potentially have at the end of the year because you're fixing problems as they're happening instead of finding out at the end of the year that you had problems and doing a look forward to next year. It's all about being proactive in this case. So Tom, just as, as we wrap anything, everything up here, are there any final words for the listeners? Um, I, you know, I would say, uh, whether it's a B2W or, uh, you know, uh, propeller, uh, look out there for solutions. There's, there's so many different new tools that can bring value to companies. It's really a, an exciting time in the industry. And so, you know, we as a company, B2W is excited about some of the new solutions we're bringing to market for taking workflows that are kind of centralized now and pushing them out to individuals in the field in a way that makes it easy for them to um, capture data, you know, get over the, the fear of the unknown and get over that inertia of how we're doing it today and just embrace some fantastic tools in the marketplace because you'll really derive the benefits from them in a lot less time than you think. Well said, well said. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for the listeners on the call, I will be able to place Tom's uh, email address as well as um, contact info for him. So if there's further questions on B2W, check out their website, get in contact with Tom, and uh, he'd be happy to help you out, I'm sure. All right. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks so much for having me, Sean.